Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. This is Evan Van Ness with an Ethereum podcast. I'm here today with Felipe Faraji from Legacy Network. Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. I should say before we get started that as a Consensus employee, you can think of this podcast as being sponsored by Consensus. So thank you to Consensus for allowing me the freedom to do this. So Felipe, Legacy Network, I guess in one sentence, I would describe it as passing on digital property or a way of conveying digital property. Is that fair? Yeah, I guess uh, you could think of it uh, like that. Um, it's a smart will that passes on property when somebody passes away. The long-term vision is essentially to become wills in blockchain. Exactly. Yeah. We want to give you know users peace of mind. Not only crypto users, everybody, but um, you know, we want to give them the possibility to transfer whatever they've lived and they want to transfer to their you know future generations once uh, they pass away autonomously, of course. In in blockchain, like when I look for things to you know invest my attention and money or time, whatever, uh, I look for new 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 behaviors that are enabled by blockchain and wills rely on trusted third parties right like you have to trust that your executor will carry out your your desires and and then of course that the legal system will enforce things the way you want it's not the the most uh, exciting industry i suppose to some so i guess why is this the burning need that you want to work on in the world it might not be exciting to some, but it is like one specific space in you know our lives, in our daily lives, that needs to be revolutionized somehow. Because if you think about it, what we're basing our you know current wills on is this very like old and ancient almost you know um, like, uh, system, in which uh, hasn't adapted to our society today, to the, to our you know. A digital society and to our society with internet and we we still have like these very old processes and bureaucracies just to set up and um, execute wills which is uh, quite strange because so many other things in our in our lives have already changed so much these past years but not this one specific thing i guess the the the, the idea the original idea came from uh, actually a quite like a sad story it, came, it comes from the death of my father he died 18th of September 2003 while he was like relatively quite young and the problem you know being is that we couldn't we never got the chance to say goodbye to each other we never got the chance you know to speak about life of course uh, in a more like a mature way because I was young and uh, especially he never got the chance to plan for for us as a family for this moment right. it was just something that you know all right you know we, at legacy we've realized that this is a really you know, common problem. It's what's not unique at all. At least um, everybody has this problem. Nobody plans ahead for this moment because it's complex. It's time-consuming. We have so much stuff to do in life. You know, so much work to do. So much, so many things to see. 
that we don't plan ahead. And it's not only like really important in our point of view, but it's also the only thing in life we can know for certain that sometime, someday, each and every one of us is going to die. So it's quite strange. We would rather not look at this in a very, you know, negative or um, or sad way, but more in a very positive light in terms of um, what we want to do with a legacy. We want to you know, celebrate life. I'm sure you've all heard of November 1st, El Dia de los Muertos in, in Mexico, or um, they have similar celebrations in, you know, in Ireland and in other cultures all around the world, which, you know, celebrate life. I mean, they celebrate the fact that somebody's dead by celebrating life itself and, 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 you know, thinking about how they lived and celebrating that, in fact. What kinds of conveyances do you see a blockchain will and enabling both both now and in the future the fact is that we um well thanks to the blockchain i, I guess and this to this technology we can uh, transfer certain you know assets very easily of course one of these is cryptocurrencies which is a huge problem today and nowadays in general because um what happens to somebody's cryptocurrencies when you know they die at, at this point in time if you haven't planned ahead in a very rigorous manner and in a very complicated, especially for your loved ones manner, they'll probably get lost. And if somebody doesn't have access to those private keys or to your, you know, computer's, you know, password or something, they they might get lost and um, they will never be able to recuperate them. So yeah, I think uh, blockchain gives us this easiness to transfer something as, as, as easy as, as sending, you know, crypto somewhere. In that same way, you know, physical assets today aren't transferable through the blockchain, especially not today, but they will eventually be. Um, and thanks to smart property, uh, we believe that in the like in the close future, we're going to be able to transfer houses or cars or anything of value, basically, through the blockchain, at least the, the deeds of them to other people. In fact, in France, um, I think it's been a week now since uh, it's actually legally acceptable to transfer company shares through the blockchain. So that's another type of digital digital asset we can transfer to, um, to people through the blockchain. Not only is this sort of a new behavior because you don't have to trust uh, executors in the legal system, but it should be cheaper and easier to use. So I guess, can you walk me through how I set it up and then how I would change it after, after I've established my... My capsule, I think, as you call it. I should say beforehand that although we're trying to disrupt the, the the current system, I think especially in the very you know beginning, we're not going to try. We're not going to leave lawyers and notaries behind or or apart from the system from the system itself. We're trying to integrate them and and to make them participate in how they can you know use our, our platform to help their own clients or or users. At, at least at the moment, they're necessary. Some might call it a necessary evil. Um, I think they do clarify some things that are quite um, interesting. And so we're going to have a platform that will let people, you know, contact uh, these professionals. How, how will you prioritize that in your roadmap? As in, will you try to make it easy for people to move things off chain? Or are you going to try to prioritize like on chain property, like, you know, files and, and text, which could be your private keys? Yeah, no, we're definitely going to prioritize um, everything on-chain and then everything that's, you know, digital assets. It's, I think we have to basically follow 
that's that's a shame in, in lots of projects i guess in lots of um, decentralized application projects is that we have to follow regulation in some cases um we can make you know pressure somehow but we'll we will have to like uh, you know attain the law and and if in certain countries it's not possible to transfer property like this i guess we won't be able to do it as well i mean the person will the user won't be able to use it so yeah definitely prioritizing um blockchain or for yeah on-chain transactions I guess, like, walk me through the process of setting it up when you go live. First of all, yeah, I, I think we want to make a, a system that's very easy to use. You know, the, the user experience must be super fluid because one of our targets, not our main, you know, um, user targets, but one of them is definitely going to be elderly people. We have to have, like, a system that's really easy to use. So basically what you do is you create a capsule, what we call like a container of things in which you can place two kinds of things it's either memories or assets digital assets memories are what we call messages a message can be a photo a video an audio recording a handwritten letter or a scanned document anything basically that can be like a file it can be an actual message you want to send somebody or it can be just you know some kind of reminder of some story in your history in your lifetime assets are well, what I've already spoken about it is it's, um, you know, these two kinds of, um, I mean, properties, digital property or, you know, physical property. After you set up your capsule, you um, assign contacts to it. So you would, you know, assign everybody, one or multiple people who you'd want this um, capsule to be sent to once um, the conditions are met. So once you assign the, the people, you, you configure your conditions. The conditions could be your, your death. But it could be also a date, uh, a birth date, or uh, you know, uh, or a mixture of both. You know, after your day death on your son or daughter's 18th birthday, you send this thing. And once once that's done, we want this you know to be the very final step. Once you've configured that, you don't have anything else to do. It's the idea is to like have peace of mind, so you don't have to worry about this this platform in in the following years. So where will that capsule? Be, it, it, I mean, that you'll basically have like a front-end interface that will interact with something, uh, a piece of code on the Ethereum blockchain, and then there will be some sort of third-party storage, which I assume will be like a swarm or an IPFS. It, that's that's exactly that, that's simplified architecture of what we're talking about exactly. Um, in terms of storage, we're we're thinking of using third parties, so um, it could be Siacoin, it could be uh, an Ethereum-based like um, storage or you know swarm, as you said. And yeah, yeah. So basically, the this front end will interact with um, a smart contract. The, the front end itself, we want it to be decentralized as as well in, in the in the future, in the, in the near future even. Huh? That's exactly how how exactly how it works. Yeah. Tell me how this went from an idea to a project. What's interesting and maybe even different from some other you know Ethereum projects is that we're all based in uh, the south of France, in Toulouse. And uh, we've known each other. We're friends for we've been friends for some time now. We've never really worked together except for this uh, first project. And I guess um, how it came to be was that um, we were on the the blockchain and the Ethereum scene for a long time. And it wasn't until I think it wasn't until like you know I think in in general Ethereum at one point in time in everybody's head it just kind of clicks. Um, like oh wait. Is that how it works? You know, um, 
And once that thing clicked, um, in my head at least, it was like really immediate. I, I immediately thought of this use case because it's an idea we have, you know, really from a long time, as I spoke of in the break, in the beginning. And once I understood how it worked, like these smart contracts and they could be autonomous, I immediately thought of this idea. And when I pitched it to the team, like to the current team, they were really thrilled. Like they 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 they, they loved it, and we started imagining right like right then and there how we could. Um, scale it and how we could organize to like build this project and so i don't know i, th I think not even a month passed and we were all quitting our jobs <laughs> and uh and uh, working full-time on this project you said you knew each other from from the startup scene is there a big startup scene in toulouse yeah actually that's a that's an interesting question i think um maybe not maybe not many people know this just just to lose is even very well known in france uh, from the for foreigners but um yeah i think one of the characteristics or two of them that make it lose a good startup scene today here is that the airbus headquarters are in uh, toulouse and there's a really big like aerospace uh, scene here. There's CNES, which is basically the the European NASA, which is based here in Toulouse as well. And so that makes it like uh, you know it's it's a place where there's a lot of engineers, engineers which can usually do want to you know program and make you know you know tech startups. So it's a place you can find a lot of good talent. I think in general, aerospace coding is. It's good to have that culture because it's essentially the same paradigm as Ethereum coding, which is there's no margin for error. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the circle of of coding is 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 back to that point. I mean, I guess we've even seen like Augur has chose to use like NASA's guidelines for coding like a year ago. Actually, I should mention as well, and um, and maybe even congratulate here on, on air. Vicente is since last week. He's a, he's a doctor, and he he just finished his doctorate, and it's based on satellite communications. Basically, he's gonna kill me if I explain it like that, but <laughs> it's probably much more complicated than that. But yeah, our main author, our you know white paper main author, is currently basically a rocket scientist. <laughs> Well, I'm coming to you from Houston, so I also am friends with a lot of rocket scientists. <laughs> it's funny nature of where we live. Uh, so I guess tell me about the rest of your team. All right, so there's uh, Vicente, and then there's uh, Guillaume, our, our CTO. He's a French um, computer scientist. He's he's obviously worked in Airbus because um, he's from Toulouse and an engineer. He's our Solidity programmer and our blockchain, um, let's say, expert. Then there's a Colleen, who's our marketing specialist. She's worked. Uh, she's she did her studies in Australia and in France. She had a startup specializing with um, the um, silver economy, so that's helpful as well. Nicolas Michel and Nicolas Ricard. Uh, Nicolas, so two Nicolases. One of them, both of them are computer scientists, French computer scientists. One of them really likes legal aspects of you know, life in general. So um, he's our legal expert and um, he's the one who's um, in charge of, you know, speaking with our legal team and, and uh, looking for people who could advise us on that subject. And then there's uh, Nicolas Ricard, our front uh, end, oh, no, our web uh, architecture specialist. He's like our lead programmer. And then there's me. Yeah, so tell me about you. You've, you, yeah. you know, you're, you're in Toulouse, but you're Chilean and uh, you've been all over the world. So t tell me about that. I think of myself as Peruvian-born Chilean in France, but I don't identify <laughs> specifically with either one of those 
uniquely. I've lived, uh, yeah, as you said, so I've lived in uh, in lots of uh, countries. I've lived in Thailand, in um, in, Repu- in Dominican Republic, in uh, the United States, in Canada, and well, in Peru, obviously, in several cities in in France as well. And I'm actually an architect by from from, from my studies. I started architecture. But the thing is, I've been, you know, surrounded by computers since I'm really, really small. I've been programming since, uh, you know, a long time ago. And um, so I've been, you know, basically the last few, several years of my life, I've been a CTO for a couple of, you know, startups or companies I've uh, founded here in uh, in France. So after all that time hold up in the architecture studio, you had to get out and uh, travel the world. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to imagine someone in crypto that is peripatetic. <laughs> so I guess let's get back to the, the project. Yeah, I, sure. I I put stuff in my capsule. Um, I've gone on, I'm, I'm in the front end. My stuff is stored in, in you know some of these decentralized storage options. Uh, then what? Like, how does, how does the contract decide when to pass it on? Yeah, so I think that's maybe like our secret sauce, although it's not very secret. <laughs> but um, that's how I guess that's how we make this work. It's uh, what we call the proof of life and the proof of death engine, which is basically a system that's going to be able to determine if somebody is alive or not. It's it's a system with, you know, currently four layers, um, two of them which are proof of life and two of them which are proof of death. The proof of life layers are going to check if you have on-chain activity. So if your if your list of um, wallets have been operational or active in the last uh, X time, and uh, you know that time will be set in a number of weeks, for example, it's going to be the user that's going to be set that that's going to set that. The second proof of life layer is uh, online activity. So um, you can basically connect your account, your um, legacy account to your Google account, your Apple account, or your um, Facebook account to see if you've had like activity online or not. And the both um, proof of death layers are going to be more deterministic, I guess. Um, one of them is going to check for death registries, official ones and non-official ones online, um, you know, hospital records, or if your country has an official death registry, check that. And the very last one, the, the fourth layer is... Um, it's a human-assisted, uh, you know, um, verification. That's gonna be, you know, it's either gonna be like a sort of like a multi-sig from several of your family members, or, or, or just like a general public decentralized fashion, or simply somebody in, you know, the legacy foundation or or some kind of human-assisted, you know, um, verification. So you're also planning on having an AI engine to assist. Do, do you want to talk about how you see that working in, in the future as technology evolves and improves? What our AI engine is, which can be like thought of like a sort of like a fifth layer, but like parallel to all of these, is exactly that. It's, it's going to help like the, the other four layers determine with more accuracy if somebody is or isn't alive. You know, the thing is, there's so many factors today to determine if somebody is dead or not and and there's so many things that we can there's only so many things we can like uh, um, predict um, that we think we're going to need some kind of AI engine especially in the future it's going to help us find other you know patterns in somebody's life 
especially their online life, to check if they're not here with us anymore or not. This thing needs to exist for decades, right? Both the the storage and and the the, the incentive, the contract layer. So tell me how you think through those issues. Yeah, that's that's a really big subject. You know, one of the main subjects um, we speak about here in uh, at Legacy is um, yeah, how do we make this uh, survive a really really long time? I, I guess it is one of our main goals. We have like a. a, a one solution to this problem, which is uh, building a an incentive platform, which will help provide a, this system in which people can send improvements to the service itself in the form of plugins or extensions or just you know during the, the the core code itself, and being rewarded with our token through our you know token model with with these improvements. So for example, if somebody were to code like a proof of life plugin for some service that we haven't developed yet, this contributor can be rewarded um, based on how many people use that plugin or, or not in the world. What makes our service actually quite different from online services today? Uh, it's that it will self-evolve. That's at least the idea. It will self-amend and self-evolve and last a very long time, which is not the case where with um with online services today, if you were to pay an online service today, a, a classical um, you know, uh, online service of this type, during three years, yeah, sure, your contents will be stored in a centralized fashion because it's already not like really cool. But especially like, if this company ever you know ceases to exist, you know all this money you've uh, dunk uh, you've sunk into it, it's gonna just disappear basically. On the other hand, like legacy is going to adapt and evolve to the, these future technologies and uh, local cultures that we can't, you know, predict at this point in time. So essentially, it's a DAO-like mechanism for putting bounties up to keep the system maintained and add new features. It's exactly that. It's uh, the legacy autonomous organizations will allow, <laughs> I guess you. We, we we think of it as really this like platform that that can and will and must you know evolve in the future, and that's actually why you need a token because uh, the, without a token, right, like that you can't actually self incentivize uh, any of those things. Definitely, yeah. Tell me about the pricing structure. Is it going to be a monthly fee or a a one time fee? Do you think it'll be in ether or will it be in the in in your in your like native token? Yeah, so it's really difficult to predict what the final pricing will be at this stage. It's very early stage, so it's kind of hard. But we have this like one idea in mind, and we like I hope we can arrive at that. Is that it is a one-time lifetime fee? So um, again, with this vision of giving our users peace of mind and not having them go back on the platform and paying every month. And if you forget to pay, your your you know your will won't be executed. That kind of thing, we're trying to avoid it at all costs. But again, it's quite difficult. First of all, we don't know exactly how long the person will be you know alive. So um, how much should we make them pay initially is one of the questions. How much ether do you have to like deposit into the the, the smart contract for it to be executed? Um, not only regularly to check you know the proof of life, but also at the very end to be able to send the information to their contacts. All these are like like really big questions and I guess um, they, they, they are touched upon on our business overview, and, but I do think they will you know vary a lot from what we've decided today. 
The pricing, yeah. The idea is to give um, crypto owners peace of mind for their cryptocurrencies. But the long-term vision is to make this product available for everybody. Like every single person in this world is a potential you know, user because we all have this one thing in common. Having that in mind, I think uh, it's really important for us to be able to pay the, for the service in fiat as well as um, cryptocurrencies. I guess we can make some, you know, like reduction in fees for people who pay directly with our legacy token and with crypto in general. Where will the token go once it's used? The token is um, the, the payment itself. It's, it's just distributed um, across uh, several actors in this uh, in the legacy network. Well, first of all, there's a whole bunch of fees that huh? we have to pay: blockchain fees, oracle fees, and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, so yeah, so there's the um, the legacy company itself is going to receive uh, an amount. The um, the legacy community through the incentive uh, platform, so plugins and all, will also receive a percentage. The legacy foundation will receive a, a part of it as well. Legacy Foundation is a foundation we create in the beginning of the project whose, you know, it has like several purposes and roles, but um, one of the main ones is, uh, or two of the main ones are all kind of public legacies that we want to leave to, know, to the general public. The, leg- the Legacy Foundation is going to be in charge of that. And the Legacy Foundation is also going to be in charge of this transition from the... Legacy company governance and revenue centralization to the really decentralized um, legacy community having most and eventually all of the revenue and the governance in the in the platform itself. About how far away do you think the first release will be? How long do you think you can before you can get something live that that works? The way we put it in our white paper is that we will have a hybrid version in the beginning, so it's going to be semi-centralized version in which we were going to have to have, of course, like some some kind of a central, like a, a server that um, controls um, our front end and all of this. So I really don't think having this um, hybrid version is going to take a lot of time. The application itself, um, what's most difficult in building it, I would say, is the UI, making it really easy to use and, uh, you know, intuitive. But what's you know, the, the actual um, functionality behind it is something we are quite used to building. So I think that's going to be um, built quite quickly. V1, we've planned it ahead in our roadmap for Q3, Q4. Is it Q3? I think it's Q3 2018. I hope we can eventually actually do it and release it even earlier than that. And what what, what exactly will that first release be? Yeah, so the V1 will be the memories. So you could send all kinds of digital files and you know assets to um, somebody when when the proof of life engine detects that you are not alive, and it'll include also the 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 sending of cryptocurrencies. So you said earlier that you em- you envision uh, trying to follow the you know laws and, and regulations in general. How like how do you think the legal system will adapt to? this big change legacy has like a strong legal aspect attached to it like you know naturally so we were trying to do everything legally in a very correct fashion as much as possible i think we were one of the few that did you know um are thinking of doing like a ico with a kyc with a totally kyc compliant system 
And in in general, I think that's like our attitude, you know, do things legally like as correctly uh, correctly as possible. Uh, and by the way, our V2 is is basically that. Our V2 is just integrating the legal aspects of in our lives into into legacy and making it totally legally compliant and having this platform where we can find lawyers and notaries online through the platform itself and um, you know giving this tool to notaries and lawyers today for them to help and ease this you know will creation but i do think um, that you know lawmakers in our in our world today are starting to adapt and started to take you know blockchain seriously and they are beginning to realize that it's going to it's, it's not you know it's going to help them actually so i i think as I said earlier, like the French uh, legal system now permits the sending of um, company shares through the blockchain. I think that kind of thing is going to be like more and more common in the future and much, much more quicker than we might think. So, Felipe, thanks for coming on the program. I guess tell everybody that's listening where they can find you on the Internet and how they can join your community. Thanks for having me here. It was really nice. You can all well, follow us on Twitter or join our Telegram group, um, but you can, you can find both of these addresses on our website, legacy.network. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm Felipe, and I'm present on these, uh, especially on Telegram, basically 24 hours per day and like, all days of the week. So if you have any kind of questions, just join us there. Well, great. Thanks for coming on the program, Felipe. Again, thanks for having me. It was really nice being here. <laughs>